Doesn't that look like fun? Do you remember that as a kid, just that joy? Could you see the joy on their faces of just jumping into the water? Uh, That's what following Jesus is supposed to look like. But this series uh, that we're going to start today is is for those of us that are not experiencing that joy. Maybe you're at a place in your life where where that does not describe your faith, what's going on between you and God right now. And so we're going to dare you to move. Because sometimes we get, we get stuck. Have you, have you been stuck? Uh, not spiritually, but maybe physically? Was there ever a time when you were a kid and you played hide and seek and you thought, this is the perfect hiding spot, but it was a little tight and you got in there and then you got stuck? No? Just me? Okay. Um, <clears throat> but I, I've gotten stuck in other ways. I got stuck in the mud once that was very, uh, very memorable when we were moving here from Connecticut. I was driving our moving truck with my car behind it, and it was, uh, I don't remember if it was time to eat or not, but I saw a Chick-fil-A billboard, so we pulled over, <laughs> and, uh, and there was nowhere to park this giant thing, so I just pulled into this empty lot next to the restaurant, and as soon as I got out of the truck, I knew I had made a huge mistake, because <laughs> uh, it was super muddy, and, uh, and I jumped right back in the truck, and I tried to get it out quickly before it got too bad, but it was too late, and uh, the truck was sinking. You could almost watch it just going, just down into the mud. And I thought, oh no. So I called a tow truck and I explained the situation, what, what I had and what needed to be moved. And he just, he actually laughed at me. <laughs> he said, I can't help you. <laughs> uh, I was like, okay, so what do I do? So he said, you need a semi mover. I was like, that sounds expensive. Let's call him. Yeah, so, uh, so, um, so we went into the restaurant and I, I, I wept and prayed over my waffle fries and Dr. Pepper. And, and I called the semi mover. He, he came out in this big, giant thing, whatever that is. I don't know what that is. I didn't know that existed before this happened. And uh, 15 minutes, man, he had us on the, on the pavement, and uh, it was only $450. So that happened. <laughs> so being stuck is a terrible feeling. When you know that you can't do anything to get yourself out of this situation, that you're going to have to call in some help, and it's probably going to cost you, it's a, it a terrible feeling. But let me tell you what I never considered. I, I never, while we're sitting in Chick-fil-A, I never considered, let's just leave it. <laughs> like, we have another car, let's just get in the other car and, and leave it. It's, it's not worth it. It was worth it. Everything we owned was in that truck. It never occurred to me just to leave it. The other thing that never occurred to me was to stay. Well, trucks, the truck's going to be here, so let's just stay. You know, we'll, we'll just camp out here in this empty lot, and we'll just live here. You know, this will be our new home. There's a Chick-fil-A right here. Can't be that bad. It never occurred to me just to stay. That's not where we belonged. We didn't belong in that parking lot. We were trying to get here. But when we get stuck spiritually... I think we consider those two things. When we get to a place spiritually where we kind of feel like nothing's happening, our, our, our faith, I can't tell you the last time I had an, an experience with God. I can't tell you the last time I, I actually did something that only makes sense if God is real. I can't tell you the last time I really grew in my faith. When we get stuck, we actually consider those two things. Sometimes we consider just walking away, just leaving it and saying, eh, not worth it. I'll, I'll do something else with my life. Maybe I'll keep going to church because it feels right, but, but it's, it's not worth whatever it's going to take to fix this. Or we just decide to stay here. You know what? It's, kinda, it's nice here in this place. I'm pretty sure that I'm going to go to heaven when I die. 
And what else is there really? So I'll just stay here. Yes, it's comfortable. Yes, it's boring. Yes, it's predictable. I have to go and I have to go and, and, and watch these people every Sunday morning who just seem to be having a different experience than me. You know, they're raising their hands, and I'm like, what is why are they raising their hands? What's happening in them that makes them want to raise their hands? I don't even know. They're nodding along to the preacher, and I'm like, he's not saying anything. Why what are they nodding along to? I mean, and you just think everyone else is having a different experience than you, but you're not alone. We all get stuck. Stuck happens. The question is, are we willing to move? Are we going to be content to stay? Are we going to walk away from our faith? What are we going to do? That's what this series is going to be about. I, I believe that if you wear the name Christian, you signed up to follow Jesus. And Jesus doesn't stay in one place very long. Jesus is a dynamic Savior. He moves He's always doing something, and he's always inviting you to go along with him. So if you're stuck, it happens, but you can't stay there if you're going to follow Jesus. So that's what we're going to talk about in this series. series. I'm going to dare you to move. We need to start with this question, who deserves to be at the center of my life? Who deserves to be at the center of my life? Who deserves it? If it's, if it's me, if I'm the one who actually knows what's best for me, I can just, I can stay in one place forever, right? If that's the choice I make, then, then I just need to understand what I'm signing up for. Have you ever seen sharks swim, a video of sharks in the water? Have you ever seen a video of sharks motionless in the water? No, you, you haven't. Sharks have to move. It's, it's how they breathe. Their gills need the water to flow over them so they can, I'm making up stuff here, but there's a science teacher that'll correct me. I somehow, for some reason, they have to move or they die. That's what I know, okay? It's got something to do with oxygen. I don't know. But I, I believe that that's the situation for a follower of Jesus, that we can't stay still or we'll die. We suffocate if we're not moving spiritually. Maybe you felt that. Maybe you felt like you're suffocating. Maybe it's because you chose to put yourself at the center of your life. We really only have two choices. It's either Jesus or you. It's Jesus or you. You're like, no, no, there's a lot of other choices. There's a lot of other religions and belief systems out there, and you can, you can actually, you know, you can make your own belief system out of all these different ideas that you like from other things. There's a lot of choices, no? There's, there's either the choice to say, I believe that only God knows what's best for me, or there's a choice to say, I think I know what's best and I'm going to go and pick something else. Is Jesus or you? Who deserves to be at the center? Before we can answer that, we need to know who Jesus is. So that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to go through the book of Colossians. It's a, it's a sm- short letter in the New Testament uh, written by the Apostle Paul who planted churches all over the Greek and Roman world. And when, when Paul is writing these letters to these churches... There are no second and third generation Christians. There's no one in these churches who can say, you know what, I grew up in a Christian home. <laughs> there wasn't Christian homes for them to grow up in. There's nobody who could say, you know, my grandpa, you know, he, he's the one who, 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 who taught me my faith. They're, they were all first generation believers. And so Paul is explaining to them, hey, here's what it looks like to, to dive into this new faith that you have in Jesus. And the first thing that he tells them is who Jesus is. So we're going to read from Colossians uh, 1, verses uh, 15 through 23. And we're going to do it kind of slow because 
I've read this many times, and it hasn't had the impact on me that it had when I started to read it slow in preparation for this message. So I want you to have the same experience I had. We're just going to go slow. Are you ready? Cool. I am. So here we go. Colossians 1.15, he, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, the image of the invisible God. Did you ever wish you could see God? You know what? If I could see God, wouldn't that make this faith thing so much easier? If you want to see God, look at Jesus. Paul says, just look at Jesus. When God decided to reveal himself to humanity... I don't want them to miss. I want them to know exactly who I am. I want them to know how I think. I want them to know how I treat people, sinners and righteous people alike. I want them to know my nature, my character. He didn't send us a book. We have a book, but we have the book because of Jesus. He didn't send us a list of rules. We have a list of rules, but we only have those because of Jesus. When God wanted to make himself perfectly clear to human beings, he sent Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. Verse 16, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. You're thinking, no, wait, wait, God created everything, right? Isn't that what Genesis 1 says? In the beginning, God created? Yeah, he did. And, and Jesus, because Jesus is what? The image of the invisible God. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was there. Jesus was a part of creation. And he made you. How do I know he made you? Because it says, all things, all things were made through him and for him. So that means if you've ever wondered if your life matters, this should settle it. Does your life matter? You were made by Jesus and Jesus matters, therefore you matter because you're made by him. Have you ever wondered what your purpose is, why you're here, what you're supposed to do? You were made for Jesus, for relationship with him, to live in relationship with Jesus, to reflect his nature and character to the world around you. That's why you're here. That's what you're made for. We were made through Jesus and for Jesus. Verse 17 and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Do you ever feel like the world is falling apart? This weekend, the news has been rough to watch. It's easy to feel like the world is falling apart. And we wonder, how's, how are we going to make it? And yet, we continue to make it. In fact, if you look for good in the world, it's pretty easy to find. God is at work doing things all over the place. There are followers of Jesus doing things in his name that are making the world better for everyone. How is it all being held together? Through Jesus. He holds all things together in the world and in your life. What is holding your life together? Let me ask it this way. What if you lost it would make your life fall apart? Your job? Your bank account? Your family? Your position, your respect, your reputation. If you're looking for any of those things to hold your life together, you're playing a dangerous game because if you lost it, you wouldn't have anything left. Jesus holds all things together. He's the only one who can. 
Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Preeminent. That just rolls right off the tongue. You say that a hundred times a day, don't you? Preeminent. He is the first and the best. He is the greatest and the highest. He is preeminent. He is all sufficient. That's who Jesus is. And he is the head of the church. You ever wonder who's in charge here? Because you would like to make a complaint. Well, I'll tell you, it's not me. <laughs> Don't complain to me. I'm not in charge. Jesus is in charge. Take it up with him. <laughs> he is the head of the church. He's the reason why we do what we do. Have you ever wondered how the church is going to survive the coming persecution in America? Because it's coming. Have you ever wondered how we're going to survive? Well, Satan already tried to defeat Jesus once, and he failed. And Jesus is the head of the church, so... I feel pretty good about our chances. He's, he's undefeated. He's undefeatable. And he is the head of the church. Verse 19. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace by the blood of his cross. Do you ever feel like you're in a battle with God? That, that, that there's this, this constant tension where God wants you to do this and you want to do that and so you're, you're, you're fighting against him? Or do you feel like that you've done things that disqualify you from a relationship with God? Jesus made peace between you and God. Verse 21, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought, there, there's a holy person right there. There is a blameless and righteous person looking right back at me. Not me. I never thought that. But when God looks at me, if I am in Christ, when God looks at me, he sees Jesus' holiness and righteousness and blamelessness. Verse 23, if indeed, if indeed you continue in the faith, you ever wonder what your part in all of this is? Continue. He's talking to people who have already signed up, okay? Let's be clear about that. He's talking to people who have already said, I want Jesus at the center of my life, and he's telling them, if you continue in the faith, you'll be presented holy and blameless before God. The implication is, if you do not continue, if you stop moving, you will not be presented holy and blameless before God. He continues stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. He says you can't just move and be good. You have to move in the right direction. You have to move in the direction of the gospel of Jesus, that Jesus died for your sin because you had no other shot at a relationship with God without Jesus. He died for your sins and he rose from the dead to give you hope of heaven and eternal life. That's the track. You got to keep moving in that direction. Let me, let me back up. I want to read uh, verse 10 for you uh, from this same chapter. So before all of that, Paul says this. This is what he wants for these young believers. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing 
in the knowledge of God. Does that describe your life? Does that describe your Monday that you're looking forward to tomorrow? I'm going to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. If that doesn't describe your life, you might be stuck. And it might be time for you to make a choice. Am I going to follow Jesus or me? Am I going to put Jesus at the center of my life or me at the center of my life? Those are really the only two choices. Who deserves that spot? Um, I, I, did you know that uh, for hundreds of years, people thought that the earth was the center of the universe? Not, not just the center of the universe, but even our solar system, like the planets and the sun, all revolved around the earth, planet earth. There was a, a religious reason for this belief. They say, well, God created human beings. We're his highest achievement, and he put us on earth, so everything must revolve around earth, around us, God's highest achievement. And then Copernicus comes along and Galileo come along and said, you know what? This actually doesn't match the evidence. The earth is probably not the center of the universe. And when you think about it, it's kind of egocentric to believe that, isn't it? It's kind of conceited to believe that that everything should revolve around us, that we are the center of the universe. I have a marble here. You guys remember marbles? (laughs) Some of you lost yours. I, I think I found it. This is going to represent the earth for us today. It's, it's pretty tiny, isn't it? In comparison to most things that you deal with in your life, this is very small. This is the earth. And we, we live as though everything is supposed to revolve around us. When I choose to put myself at the center, that's, that, that's saying, I'm saying the people around me should do what I want. They should think like I want to think. The world should line up. Everything should match up for me to to get what I want out of life. That's me at the center. But I'm just this. This is tiny little me. If the earth were the size of a marble, how big would the sun be compared to this? I'll show you. Let's have the sun, please. Go ahead. Can I get a little help? There we go. Roll it all down here. A little little help there. There you go. Come on. Corey, I know you want to grab it. There you go. Thank you. If the earth was the size of a marble, this would be the size of the sun in comparison. It's not even close, is it? In fact, if you can see both of these things and anyone says that this thing should be at the center, you kind of go, are you sure? Because it looks like that's pretty small and powerless compared to this, right? And I just imagine God for hundreds of years watching human beings think that this was at the center of everything when he's like, hello. (laughs) And yet we do this all the time. We live as though we are at the center when all the time the sun is right there. The firstborn over all creation, the image of the invisible God, the one who made peace between you and God through his blood is right there the whole time. And we're here going, you know, in our little universe that's centered around us. And God's got to be like, are you kidding me? This is your choice when you have this? Who deserves to be at the center of your life? The image of the invisible God or you? The firstborn over all creation or, all, or, or you? 
The one who made all things or you? The one who gave his life to make peace between you and God or you? Who deserves to be at the center of your life? I dare you to move. I dare you to move Jesus to the center of your life. And today, I, I, I want to challenge you just to take a closer look at Jesus. And, and some of you are thinking, I made this choice a long time ago. I'm good. I'm probably going to heaven. I feel okay about my chances anyway. I'm good. But you're, you're, you're trying to be a shark that can stay still in the water. And you're suffocating spiritually. I dare you to move. I dare you to move beyond a place where you act as though Jesus is dead and distant. Like he was a smart guy and he was a righteous person and he said some really great things and he performed some pretty cool miracles that I don't really understand and I can't explain. But that was a long time ago. It doesn't really matter to me tomorrow. Or you can live as though Jesus is alive and present. That yes, he did die on a cross, but he did not stay dead. That tomb was borrowed for three days, right? He's alive and present. And if he's alive and present, then, then Monday matters because your life is revolving around something much bigger than you. If you're being honest, you can't handle all the issues in your life anyway. And you're always looking for somebody who can. And here he is. The sun is ready and waiting for you to put him right at the center. So I want to dare you to get to know the sun a little better. We're, we're going to do a 21-day reading plan about Jesus, just so that you understand, what choice am I going to make Monday morning? Who am I going to put at the center today? What choice am I going to make Wednesday morning and Saturday morning and Friday night? Who am I going to put at the center? I want you to know what you're picking between. You're picking between yourself and the person that we're going to read about over the next 21 days who's alive and present. If you're willing to take the Jesus dare and read about him for 21 days and answer some questions uh, about what you read, uh, I want you to, to sign up right now. Get your phone out. I want you to text the word DARE to the number that you see there, and you're going to get a link that comes back to you that says, uh, that's got the first week's uh, list of readings and the questions that you can ask going through that. So you can do that right now. If you don't have a phone or you don't want to get it out or whatever, there are some hard copies of this list in the lobby that look uh, just like a half sheet of paper. I want you to grab one of those on your way out, and I just, I dare you, spend 21 days reading about Jesus. Some of you, you're like, I, I got a reading plan, I'm good. I dare you to do this one. Just refresh your perspective on who Jesus really is and why he deserves to be at the center of your life. If you start this tomorrow, it'll end on the last day of this sermon series. And we're gonna spend the next few weeks talking about what it looks like to follow a dynamic Jesus who is alive and present, not dead and distant. What does it look like to follow Jesus, to make him the center of your life? Are you with me? You willing to do it? Give it a try. One, two, get great, wonderful. Here's why this matters so much. When you're stuck, you're not much good to anybody else. When I was stuck in the mud at the lot next to Chick-fil-A, I hope nobody needed me for anything because I was unavailable. I couldn't get my own self going much less help anybody else out in life. When you're stuck spiritually, you're not much good to the people around you. You can't help somebody else move forward when you're not moving forward. And there are people around you that God has put in your life so that you can show them that he's pursuing them with his love, 
that you can invite them to life with Jesus, and if you're stuck, you can't, you can't really do it. You're dealing with your own stuff. But if, you will, if, if you'll move, then you're available to be a blessing to other people. And that is God's plan to bring hope to the world. You. I dare you to move. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for shining a spotlight on Jesus today and reminding us that he has done so much more to earn the spot at the center of our lives than we could ever do. The only thing that holds us back is pride and fear. Would you help us to push through that? God, I pray that as we read over the next three weeks about who Jesus is, that you would enlighten us, that you would open our eyes, that you would soften our hearts. Ultimately, God, that you would reveal yourself to us through the person of Christ. And God, we pray that when we begin to move, you would use us to be a blessing to people so that more and more people come into a relationship with you through Christ. Would you do all of that in us and through us for your glory? In Christ's name, amen.